Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurbs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 25, season 2, episode 4, Rosemary's Baby. David, if you would, give us a quick synopsis slash summary of this episode. Liz follows a hippie to a second location. Tracy makes a, a psychological breakthrough, and Kenneth has a page off. <gasps> yeah. Uh, solid episode all around. This is, I think, I mean, we're only four episodes into season two, but this is the most Looney Tunes uh, this season so far has been. Um, especially the, the, the whole page off plot line. As silly as it is, it's a lot of fun. It, it introduces Paul Shear and his sort of recurring character. He shows up a couple more times throughout the rest of the series. Um, we get to learn that Kenneth sort of has a really weird attachment to his page jacket and just the page lifestyle. It almost feels like it's like a second skin for him. Um, the whole Carrie Fisher bit and Liz idolizing her and realizing that although she paved the way for her, her life is a lot better as a result, but some things that happened in the 70s should have stayed in the yeah. 70s. And then um, the whole Tracy stuff was a lot of fun, too. Uh, just it's not much and there isn't very little like there, there is very little character development because it really doesn't come back into play later on. But it's fun and seeing like Jack basically act all of the parts out of basically I was the, the psychiatrist says is good times, but it's basically Sanford and Son good times and. Probably a little bit of Cosby Show, maybe mixed in. I'm not sure. But. Yeah, I actually thought that scene was terrible, but really? we can get to that. Okay, because of the stereotypes. No, but well, n- not not directly. Just it it was just so over the top. Like it was mm-hmm. like his, his the 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 acting was just silly and not mm-hmm. in a good well, way. We'll get to it, but I will defend it. Yes, but that was the point of an otherwise top tier episode. Yeah. The uh, Carrie Fisher. As Rosemary fires on all cylinders, um, the writing's really sharp. There's a lot of like classic Thirty Rock esque political references, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of inside sort of baseball of TV yeah. too, and just like uh, how production is done. And uh, despite seemingly TV's become a little bit more edgy, there's it, it's become a, maybe perhaps a little bit more restrictive than it was in uh, Rosemary's day or. The, the well we the, can get to the, that too yeah, the meter of, of what's acceptable has changed um since that time but yeah i think it's it's super sharp and i, I really think it's one of the best episodes of the second season so uh, any other thoughts before we hop in let's hop in let's hop in oh uh, so the cold open starts with liz receiving a fellowship award from ge attention all attention all it is with great pleasure I would like to announce that the recipient of this year's prestigious GE Fellowship Award is none other than our very own Liz Lemon. Wait, how could Liz win a fellowship award? She doesn't like people. No, fellowship, uh, presented annually to the woman, sorry, person, who best exemplifies a follower. I'm not a follower. It also comes with 10 grand. I accept this proudly on behalf of followers everywhere. When I think of the free-spirited Liz Lemon I met just one year ago, so resistant to product integration, cross-promotion, and adverlingus, it pleases me to see how well she's learned to follow. Ugh, is this because of that GE sketch? He has a microwave forehead! But it's such an excellent GE microwave. You said I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so what do you do with money? Put it into a 401k? Yeah, I've got to get one of those. What? Where do you invest your money, Liz? I have, like, 12 grand in checking. Are you an immigrant? What's lower than an immigrant? Because I'm definitely lower than an immigrant. I do not have that much in my checking. My finances are a joke. Not really. They are. They really are. I'm not even joking. Not really. <laughs> you say so. And I guess it just shows like Liz's character just being like, not a slave to money, but you know, the the almighty dollar. I guess can really sway her uh, loyalties or whatever. Although, really, if she's a showrunner of a major network show, like, I feel like she's making way, 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 way. So, I know it's, like, funny. It's, like, she's getting $10,000, so immediately she, like, changes her right stance or whatever, but still. Yeah. 
I mean, she's still making off pretty well, I have to imagine. She's living in New York. She's yes. a showrunner. She's been doing it for several years. Um, arguably, she's probably would get be would be getting paid less than a man that were in that position, but still, she's she's still probably living very comfortably. Because I don't think we ever get an episode where she's strapped for cash. So, which I don't think that that is a storyline that is very um, that's used anymore on TV of like. Uh, a struggling person it just seems like oh it is just not on networks that comes about i guess well i guess like the fosters rich people the fosters is the one that most comes to mind that family was just like well that that they whole were show pretty was solidly like, middle class that's just like modeling the show that whole show is just every day there's a new problem for this family and it never seems to get better it's, it's a just soap like, opera i know but it's just like there's got to be some happiness at least for one full episode but no it's just like even when there's a light at the end of the tunnel, there's like an eclipse just shadowing that out. I don't know. But um, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking about like TV. I used to remember. I mean, like early 90s, like Roseanne. Like that whole show is about that family being completely poor and living paycheck to paycheck. Like, and maybe not even paycheck to paycheck because they lost jobs and stuff like that. And I think like early Simpsons, it was the whole same thing. It was like this domestic idea of a family that struggled with real life and by season three that show just forgot all of those rules and it just became like a cartoon um but i don't know if there's too many sitcoms now that really have like storylines where families are well, just like broke or so not on network television the one that was well i'd say to one we just lost speechless on abc which was Oh, yeah. They were a lo- they were a, a lower middle class family that basically was was really struggling to get by, yeah. um, but that was canceled unfortunately. So we lost that. But Superstore is the other because everyone I mean, everyone there is working at like a Walmart type yeah. place. So most of the like a, a big storyline the most recent season is someone being promoted to be the new general manager, like suddenly making six figures out of nowhere and like oh. being like insanely shocked at you know how massively like their life the difference the difference of their yeah. life. I've never watched Speechless. I've just sort of been, like seen it in passing. Like you'll be watching and. On the surface, it looks like, okay, this family's doing really well. And then there was one time, I just happened to walk by and they were showing like an exterior shot, like a setup shot of the of the scene. And like their house was just, their house looked fine, but just tons of like overgrowth on the outside. Like grass yeah. looked like brown grass and overgrowth and just vines everywhere. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what? I, I'd never seen it before. And then you explained to me, he's like, yeah, they're not, they're not well off. Like they're... And it, it makes sense in the story because they're, you know, dealing with someone that, like, has physical health limitations. Yeah. And so they they have to compensate. And, yeah. Well, it, it's not just like, that. It's basically the father is the only person who has a job and he works as, like, a supervisor at, like, a, a baggage handling thing at the airport. So it's like he's the only one that works to support a family of five people, including yeah. a special needs kid Coach, who, like, needs yeah. a lot of attention and, and yeah, and a full-time aide. So. Yeah. Cedric Yarbrough is on that show. He's really yes, good. Yes, he plays yeah. the full-time aide. I'm glad to see all those, like, I know they're more than just Reno 911 people, but all of those Reno 911 people doing, like, work, because uh, the mom on the Goldbergs is from Wendy there. McClendon Wendy McClendon Covey, yeah. yeah. Um, Niecy Nash, Niecy Nash, of course, has well, done she's a lot. Fantastic. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's really good. Um, Cedric Yarbrough, uh, Thomas Lennon. Um, uh, I'm sure he's done numerous cameos. In, in various things. I think he was, not the breakout, but he was one of the bigger stars out of that group. Um, the State, the, the MTV The State, like back in the late 90s, was like a sketch comedy group. Anyway, um, so yeah. Uh, and also, I think if you go out to like premium <laughs> premium cable and cable, there's a lot more stories of yeah. people who were uh, not well off. Yeah, maybe. I, I just don't think it's as uh, much of a storytelling device because I don't think it like, I think it's kind of a bummer for the audience to watch people struggle like they want they i think it i think that that shifted because uh people didn't want to watch necessarily like real life moments they wanted to watch something to maybe escape from their potential uh you know like if it was too realistic or if it was too like relatable then it's just like i don't want to watch something that's like this is what my life is i'm watching tv to not deal with my life sort of i guess but like i mean i feel like i don't know i feel like there's just like pose and shameless in vita where well shameless maybe the poorness is a high aspect of it but it's not like 
they just exist like in their not as well off worlds and it's i mean it's just it's just the setting so it's not yeah. necessarily comes on shame again shameless more so because i guess the, them being poor and having a scam their way is one of the big recurring themes but for other shows like the others like pose and vita it's they just live in i don't know it's just their lives and, and i mean it's not made a big deal of i, I mean it's just it's just like it's it accepted is. So right. it's just like, we don't need to touch on this every episode. It's just, we establish this in one or two episodes, and then you know this going forward as a viewer, that these people aren't necessarily going to like, they're they're going to struggle, but they're not going to be like, I don't know, we're not going to devote too much time to their potential living situations or, or their financial situations, because... Well, that's what I'm saying, in those shows, it comes, up, it comes up just in... Not like in a big special episode report, but it's just like about characters having to scramble to get jobs or what happens if they lose their job well, or... I guess Broad City kind of did that a lot with... Um, yeah, but those... But the, but I, I mean, my impression is like they were basically daughters of very well-off people, so they still have a yeah, giant safety net, even though, yeah. yeah, they live in... But I mean, there were a number of episodes where they were always just like, man, I'm going to lose my yeah. job or I can't pay rent yeah, and things true. like that. But there was always... Like, but the, that was the plot device. That wasn't so much like a... A, a character development point. I was just like, oh shit, I, I got fired, or I, I, I can't go to work today, but I got to pay my rent, kind of thing. So, I guess it does. I don't know. It feels like it was bigger in the '90s and the '80s, and now it's just not as big as a plot point. But maybe I'm just not watching shows that focus on that anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think they're out there, but they're also generally shows that are smaller and yeah. more diverse, and just not don't maybe don't get as much money. yeah because I, I was trying to think too and like obviously i did just name a few shows but also i'm thinking just thinking off the top of my head like was, i'm thinking i was like wow like a lot of the shows i watch do have i mean relatively either rich or at least comfortably well pretty little liars well <laughs> but you mean the big little lies whatever god well that's a stupid the pretty little lies think that people are rich but like yeah. the big little lies are people are insanely disgusting. like monterey california mansions yeah, on the disgusting. seaside rich um yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that that it, it it has lessened as a result. I don't know. We I don't want to talk in circles. Anyway, uh, still in the cold open, surprisingly or unsurprisingly, um, we get to see Jenna has lost the weight officially, and Kenneth congratulates her, but she makes his life a lot worse. Miss Maroney, I can't believe how fast you lost the weight. If I can't be Monique fat, I have to be Terry Hatcher thin. Either way, you're laughing. Oh, oh no! Oh, my uniform! Oh, sorry. Oh. Let me get that off. Turn around. It just needs a little bit of water. Oh, God, it hurts! That's, that's negligence, and I I think it's bad. It's bad. Safe. Safe work. Safe me. Safe. Safe. Work safety. <laughs> yes. It's not safety safe to leave on burners or coffee pots or whatever. She put his jacket on. Yes. Jenna's a problem. The more you know. The, yeah. NBC. Uh, so we come back from <laughs> come back from the opening and we get to meet Rosemary, a.k.a. Carrie Fisher, uh, at a book signing. And Liz is just over the moon. You're honestly telling me you don't know who Rosemary Howard is. Is she one of the ladies who tried to shoot Gerald Ford? No, she's the first female writer for Laugh-In. She wrote all the political stuff for Donnie and Marie. I grew up idolizing her comedy. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon you. You are already pardoned. It's funny because it's true. Hi, I don't want to sound like a weirdo fan, but I am obsessed with everything you have ever done. And I, I used to make my friends act out your skits the next day. When I say my friends, I mean my Fisher Price, my friend, dolls, because I didn't have a lot of friends. Oh boy, am I still talking? You're gonna kill me, aren't you? No, that's good. That's great. Oh, you are great. I, I grew up wanting to be you. I grew up wanting to be Samantha Stevens on Bewitched. The closest I got was. Being married to a gay guy for two years. <laughs> that's funny because it's true. Yeah, that's really funny. That's a yeah, very that, clever line. It really is. If, if you don't know the history of Bewitched as well as Carrie Fisher, both of those things happened on that show and in real life. Obviously, in the Bewitched universe, the main character was not married to a genie 
Was she? No, she was a witch. She was a witch. She was yeah. a witch. I'm I can't believe we had two shows like that in the 60s that, I don't know. Anyway. A lot of LSD. Uh, no, just a lot of people saying, not not a lot of people saying no to things. Um, maybe LSD. Um, but yeah, so the second, there's a character on there named, can't think of his name right now. Oh, her husband? Her husband. The Darren. actor was Darren. Darren, yeah. The yeah. actor was, was Dick, Dick Sargent. Was that the first one? Because there was a Dick Sargent Dick and a Dick York. Dick York, I believe, was the first one. I wrote okay. it down. Oh, okay. No. No. Dick Sargent was the first actor of Darren, and then midway through, I think, season two or three, the actor switched, still playing the same Well, it must character. have been two years, two seasons, two years, because married to a gay uh, actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they brought on Dick Sargent, who didn't look anything like the guy, but still played the same character, but it turns out he was closeted homosexual in real life, but in the 60s, that was not okay. <laughs> So, uh, and then Carrie Fisher in real life did marry, um, did marry Billy, no, Billy, uh, sorry, I can't think of the gentleman's name. Uh, Lord? Yeah, but his, her daughter is named Billy. Yeah, the daughter, yeah. her daughter's Billy Lord. Yeah. I don't know the... I can't think of her, for her husband's name, but he, uh, married her for a, a number of years, I think, but then they ended up getting divorced because he turned out and he, uh, he was also gay and <sighs> he started a relationship with a man, so... <sighs> Again, we've over-explained the joke, but that is a really good joke. Even if you don't know The Bewitched, if you know Carrie Fisher's past, it's uh, it's fun. Billy Lord, she was in... Uh, Booksmart. Books- oh my god, and have we talked this- about Booksmart? On this podcast, I don't think so. Oh my god, go see Booksmart if it's still playing. It's, it's not playing. It's probably not. It's fucking- you know, Avengers is coming back to theaters, I know, but Booksmart they, gets pulled well, out in a month. Because they want Endgame to break i think avatar's worldwide box office okay uh, but also but i have opinions anyway go ahead well i just want to say it was widely reported in the media that book smart was a flop and it's interesting how quickly narratives gets it because actually it was like a small very like it was a small indie with a small budget that ended up making 20 million so it was probably profitable but because like annapurna released it in 2500 theaters like and there was this big push from critics like it seemed like a flop because it quote unquote only made eight million. But I've been this has been rolling around in my head and I just want to say it. Yeah. So one thing that happened a lot was people would say, oh, if A twenty four would have distributed this, they would have done a slow rollout. Well you know what? You know what they did that with last year? Eighth grade. They gave eighth grade a slow rollout and it maxed out I think fourteen million in the box office. So Booksmart actually outgrossed eighth grade within two weeks. Even though like so I always found interesting because it's like, well, if it would have had a slow rollout, would it have? Maybe it would have made less money because it probably yeah. would have never made it to twenty five hundred theaters in yeah. one weekend. Also, the measurement of what is considered a success has changed literally, basically every year now. And like, I mean, yeah, twenty million, maybe on a grand scale, doesn't seem like yeah. a lot. But, but if you only cost like eight that, million to make, then and you make twenty million. You've doubled. You've doubled. Yeah. I mean, that's that's twice the success essentially. So well, it's just, yeah. The, the, from, what I've heard, like you, if you double, you have to double your budget to profit. Yeah, right. So, right, yeah. But anyway, so they 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 cleared it, and I think that's a movie that will spread. Well, has I think that that is a movie that spread by word of mouth and will spread again once there's a DVD or a home media release, digital release. Once it's like once Netflix, it gets on Netflix, everything like assuming that, it's it'll, on Netflix, it'll and uh, and I I do think on one level it is safe to say it's super bad, but with girls. But once you start watching that movie, it's completely different than super bad. That it's like it's only that comparison is just surface level. Um, and uh, I loved Booksmart. I went in completely blind, which I absolutely recommend a lot of people do with movies nowadays because it's just so much more fun. You don't get everything. You, especially if it's a comedy you don't get everything like all the jokes thrown at you and then you're just trying to fit in and like when does this joke come in it's just like no just going completely blind and i i love that movie from the opening scene from when they like she um is leaving her house and then her friend stops the car and they just get out and like, have a little dance party it was so cute it was just like oh, oh really so, it was and i was like oh man i'm gonna love these characters and they because they were like even like in the middle of the dancing one of them goes should we stop and go to school and they're like nope we're doing this all day and it was just like god this is awesome it's that's just really so interesting because that scene like made me like think oh my god i'm gonna hate this movie oh wow. well that's because you're lame and you well, like no because stuff. no it's because if reese witherspoon and nicole kidman were doing that on big little lies <laughs> you'd be like oh my god give them all the Oscars i don't even like Emmys. big little lies that much i I just you watch love it. it. You love I it. I like it okay. You love it. Um, anyway, Booksmart is great. But I ended up liking Booksmart. Yeah. 
And I do want to give a quick shout out to our podcasting friends, Luke and Rachel. They do a semi-weekly podcast called Talk Movies to Me, where they discuss Booksmart. And they just hit everything that I think about that movie. And obviously, they heartily recommend it, same as I do. And I, it's at this point of this, it's, it's probably not even playing in theaters anymore. If it is, please go see it. It's worthwhile. It's great. Super sharp. Right? Otherwise, women will never get to make movies ever again. No, that's not true. No, Elizabeth Banks will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's got that pitch perfect money. But she's doing that. You mean she... Olivia Wilde? No, Elizabeth Banks. Because I'm saying she was one of the more of the last few years that has really broke out of being like oh, a female director. Gotcha. But yeah, Olivia Wilde gotcha. directed Booksmart, which was a fun surprise. I didn't know that going in. Um, but I didn't have a lot of experience with her. Anyway. Um, okay, last thing. Have you ever met someone in real life that maybe like, not like on a level of celebrity, like maybe like a podcast you listen to, or if you just ever seen someone that you were like, oh man, if I ever get to meet them, I'd like to like thank them for their work or something like that. No, never meet your heroes. I didn't call them heroes. Never meet your, never meet your objects of fandom. All right, well, God, you live a boring life. Um, I've never really met anyone super crazy famous. Uh, the most I've ever met is just people that like, at the time they were hosting a video game podcast that me and a bunch of other people listened to. So when I went to Seattle for a gaming convention, they were just having a little thing, like a little bar and we all just got to go up and like meet them. And they were so cool. They were so like, and it, it just sort of like helped normalize them because it's just for years you'd heard them talk on podcasts and share their stories and like you felt like you got to know them and you got to meet them in real life like oh like, they, yeah they're just normal people they just have a level of celebrity to them that it's just like well oh, they're special and no offense they're not that special they're no different really from anyone else they just do something for a living that you like that's all but there are also probably celebrities that are dicks to you if you try to come up to them in real life anyway since you're boring and you don't Once have Once any... when I was five, I got the autograph of the guy who hosted Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. They were doing like a tour around the country of like Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. And they came to, I don't know, Norfolk or Virginia Beach or something. And we went to see them. I, I don't know, four or five, six. I don't know how old I was. I was little. And I got an autograph picture of him. I don't know. It's probably long gone now, but. You got rid of it? I don't. I honestly don't know. Probably between moves, at some point in life, it disappeared off somewhere. I don't really know. It could be in. But in you didn't get to box. meet. You didn't get to meet the chief, though, did you? No, I did never oh. met Lynn Thigpen. Oh, she well, was better. Never met. I guess, and she passed away. But oh, sad. Thank you. Um, you are my heroine, and by heroine, I mean lady hero. I don't want to inject you and listen to jazz. Good lord. Are you hungry? Always. Well, I'm going to let you take me to lunch later and get all this out of your system. That would be great. I would love that. But you're supposed to take me hat shopping. Hey, Jack. Could you hold on a second? If you desecrate something, is that bad? Tracy, what happened now? I doubt if anybody noticed. Who brought stars and bright stars to the party last night? Who'd ever known it was so many words? It was like a most deaf CD. So I know that's a take on the Roseanne thing, but I'm just thinking, like, obviously that would have been unpopular back then, but could you imagine if that happened now? Like, it would turn into a big, like, culture war thing of, like, freedom of expression versus disrespecting the blah, 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 blah. Like, it would be a big deal if that sort of thing happened now in a way that it would have been then, but not. I feel like just in 2019, like polarization, it would be just like unbearable. I don't know. I feel like the, the 20, 2007, it's so close to uh, to 9-11 that it would probably be as disrespectful as currently because it's like, well, America, you're supposed to support it. You don't like it. You get out. That whole mentality. God, that's so, I don't understand it. Oh. <sighs> well, let's not, no, let's we, not fall we, down that rabbit hole, yeah, please. It's a gigantic rabbit hole. And it doesn't leave any airplane. Anyway, the point is just like, I I, I, yeah. I can just imagine what kind of controversy that would cause now because I imagine it would just be like, just unbearable. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at this point, if you're a celebrity who's not a singer, but you are asked to uh, sing the national anthem or Star Spangled Banner or whatever, your team will be coaching you 24-7 to make sure you do not make any sort of faux pas yeah. and, and create some sort of incident like that. Tracy. It's all right. You're a star. You can do whatever you want to. That's your job. It's our job to make it go away. I love this country. 
You go forth and be crazy. I think I can manage that. You do anything you want to do, except no dog fighting, okay? That seems to be the one thing that's off limits these days. What's <laughs> <laughs> on your mind, Trey? You've been curiously quiet for 20 minutes. We gotta start doing dog fights. Dog fighting? I know it's repulsive and hideous, but it's the only thing Jack Donaghy told me I cannot do. So I gotta do it, understand? No, 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 no. Dog fighting is the most disgusting, vile thing a human being can do. You cannot do it. Dog fighting it is. Make it happen. It really just shows like the childness, childishness of Tracy is like you tell a kid not to do something. It's gonna be the one thing that they're actually going to do. So then that comes back into play later on. But yeah, so this is a pretty topical joke because this was 2007 and Michael Michael Vick had all of the allegations, which were true, of him doing dog fighting and dog fighting is bad. Yes, absolutely. There's no defending anything. But he threw away his career for that. Like he was one of the biggest names in football at the time, and just. Threw it away? Yeah, well, he... I think it was getting to the point where he was getting a little past his peak anyway, so he had already made... Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but still, so. he probably had at least three or three or four more sure, years. Sure, he, he definitely could have played more, but... Yeah. 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 What a piece of shit. So, Jenna goes down to the page headquarters? Whatever Deep you want to call it. Deep somewhere. in the basements of 30 Rock uh, to find a, a replacement page jacket for Kenneth and runs into Donnie. Hello, where's the head page? You may enter. You're a machine. No, I wish. This is a prop from the classic NBC series Supercomputer, 1975 to 1975. Look, you obviously know who I am. But what you don't know is that I accidentally damaged Kenneth Parcell's page jacket Shh. and... Really? Mr. Perfect, Mr. Jesus loves me Parcell, finally messed up. <laughs> Do you know how long I've been waiting to transfer that thumb head to CNBC in Paramus, New Jersey? But you can't transfer someone without a demerit. But now... Oh, boy. Here's what we're going to do. You've probably never seen breasts before. So I'm going to lean over this desk, and you're going to give me a new page jacket. Please. I breastfed till I was 11. So I've forgotten more about a woman's chest than you'll ever know. But I'm on TV. I said good day. No, you didn't. Well, I meant to. Kenneth Parcell is finished. <laughs> finished! <laughs> so Paul Shear is playing Donnie, who at this time was on NTV's Human Giant with Rob Hubel himself and Aziz Ansari is a very like uh, irreverent sort of sketch comedy show uh, very MTV of that time just like throwing anything at the wall to see what it stick and it was funny I'm not I'm not bashing Human Giant but it only lasted like one or two seasons it didn't really get the play that it really needed to succeed um, and he's and then after that he would go on he had a little short run with 30 Rock over its run and then he would go on to do the league over on FX and now He's, I guess, most famous for how did this get made. He's done a lot of, like... Yeah. I think he's, he's still good, recurring on Fresh Off the Yeah, Road, Yeah, too. he's a very good character actor. He just sort of pops up in cameos and stuff a lot. But uh, we're going to go see how did this get made live. I'm super excited for that. That'll be a lot of fun. Jason Manzoukas is my hero. I'm going to try not to meet him because you don't meet your <laughs> heroes. Um, but, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun to see that live. Uh, but we come back and Rosemary is in the writer's... Well, is in Liz's office with the writer's developing new sketches for TGS and realizing there's a little bit of a hiccup in how TV's made these days. All right, uh, what's in the news this week, everybody? Any ideas? I have an idea. We open on a New Orleans abortion clinic, a beautiful mulatto. I don't think we're allowed to use any of those words. Why not? It's live television. I mean, we used to say and No, you didn't. Did you? We did. We pushed the envelope. Remember the mailbox sketch that shocked America? There's nothing wrong here. Don't you get it? The mailbox was Haldeman. Is, is that a person who lived? 
I'm a three. I... So, so there's a little bit to unpack here. So H.R. Haldeman was Nixon's chief of staff, okay. who was basically was one of the big figures who went to jail in the Watergate scandal. Um, I think it, like the, the smoking gun tape, I think, was Nixon ordering him to, to erase the tape. or Basically, Nixon ordering Haldeman to do the whatever stuff that ended up causing the, the downfall. But I was trying to figure out that joke because I was like I, I I mean I don't know like a ton like oh if you're interested in behind the scenes stuff about Watergate listen to the first season of the Slow Burn podcast because it goes back and interviews a lot of people and looks at like a lot of angles that weren't I guess part of the main story back in the day and it's really interesting anyway but so getting back to the mailbox thing I was like I don't know like I don't get like so I was like googling and like so I'll tell you what I found and what I think my actual theory is. So what I first found was people saying that the joke was that sketch comedy is actually very obtuse and like they say things that are very like, you know, out there or whatever is funny. So it's making fun of how older sketch shows would do things that were not funny, but saying they were funny and were, too, were cool and you just don't get it, which I don't know if they've ever seen Saturday Night Live, but there was nothing subtle or obtuse about Saturday Night Live sketches. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe laughing, maybe laughing was more whatever. But anyway, what, what my theory is, what it actually the joke is, is that there are things that were were considered edgy forty years ago or fifty years ago that seem totally tame and whatever in this day and age. So I think that's what I was actually joking on that that was quote unquote controversial at the time. But watching in this day and age, like it's a mailbox, you know what I mean? It's like it's doesn't seem right. edgy or controversial it's, it's or anything of, at all. Perspective of the yeah. time versus yeah. yeah. So it's interesting because like they're saying about oh how they used to say all these words and yada, which they weren't saying those words probably on network television in the 70s because of the censors. Yeah. But it's just a, a joke on how like her whole thing is how she's edgy, but it's like it actually isn't edgy. Yeah, compared to like, modern sensibility. It doesn't really make any sense. That's, yeah. okay. Unless there's something out there about Haldeman in a mailbox that I'm just totally missed and the internet doesn't seem to know about either. I don't know. I, don't know. I, just, I assumed it was something to do with mail tampering. But I, I, that's just based off just, just the presentation they gave me of a mailbox saying, nothing wrong here, and yeah. it tipping over. Yeah. I'm assuming that's something to do with mail tampering and then, then then she says oh it's about Haldeman I'm like did Haldeman get busted for mail tampering I don't know so maybe it like maybe it leans on both theories of like it's so avant-garde and an and, and, and obscure joke that it's like you either get it or you don't and we're being you know sneaky by sneaking it in there and you either get it or you don't so it's funny or it's it's silly and it's just like well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, or it could just be there's nothing to see here. Like you're saying, there's no scandal, and oh, tipping over, like the scandal broke, so now you're being knocked over by act. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, maybe that was the joke of the yeah. one of original sketch. I don't know. Yeah. But it's also probably you're not supposed to break down the joke that much. It, yeah. it is supposed to be in 30 Rock's example of here. Right. There is no joke there. The joke is that she realizes it was deeper meaning, but the joke we're presenting to you actually has nothing to do with it. So, uh, I don't know. That's the problem with being like pedantic about stuff like that. It's just like, I don't know what's funny and, or what's supposed to be a joke or not. But anyway, yeah. Well, thanks for your help. I, what about race? I mean, I, I say that yeah. is the last taboo. We get Josh in blackface, right? Yeah. And then we get Tracy to call him a yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that. No, no, no. We, uh, you can't do race stuff on TV. It's too sensitive. We would have done that on the Mandrell sisters. I, I, I want the show to be edgy too. I mean, but I, my boss, Jack Donaghy. Let me talk to him. I am great with suits. No, no, no. We, uh, we don't talk to him. We don't do. Liz, that. you're not a cog in their machine. I know. I'm not some follower. I just. We are very subversive on this show. Frank, what do you have this week? Uh, Barry the Humping Dog is shopping for a GE washer and dryer. I have not seen that before. I think this is the only time that 30 Rock actually gets bleeped. I don't think the rest of the run has any actual censorship right. in it. Hmm. There might be, like, mosaics, like people getting little fingers. Nope. I'm, no, in that same episode I'm thinking of, there is a guy that gets bleeped. But it's, it's for the bit of the joke of he is... <laughs> Funny enough, he is the censor on the show of TGS, but in he's a foul-mouthed person outside of the sh- outside of his job. So, okay, so there there is more, but that's played more for comedy. But uh, yeah, again, it's just showing like Rosemary out of touch of 
what is acceptable on TV. And again, the line, did you have more to say about that? Or was that... Okay. Did you say everything you already wanted to say? I think so. I just want to talk about the Haldeman thing in the mailbox. Okay. All right. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to move on without you getting everything out. But uh, yeah, just like I think we talked about at the top of the show, just it's not so much that censorship has lessened or increased, although it has. If anything, it's lessened, especially by network standards. Mm, I don't know. You can't show like butts anymore. On TV, right? But there's a lot of and that's all Janet curse words you can say that you definitely could. Justin Timberlake's fault. True, you you can swear more, but and violent standards are probably yeah. A lot looser. Well, it's just it's just our culture. Sexually, we're we're still behind about everybody in the world, but not everybody, but most major major. Well, apparently there are a lot of penises on Euphoria, so we're making some strides. What's Euphoria? That's a new HBO show. What's well, HBO about? Like teens? That's and, not TV. Well, yes. Anyway, there's a lot of penises on Queer as Folk, and that was 15 years That's ago. That's true. So, nice try. But apparently, there were like literally dozens of penises in, in, a, in a scene or something. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I feel like Oz was doing that 15 years ago too. Maybe you know I never. Yeah. I haven't seen Oz. Never seen it either. Next, probably, probably never will. <laughs> no. Um, but Jack catches Tracy setting up a dog fighting ring and is not too happy. Tracy. Can I stick with you privately, Trey? What's the one thing I asked you not to do? That 227 movie, New Jack A City? Dog fighting. What is it about your wiring that compels you to do exactly what you're asked not to? I don't know. Always been this way. Tracy, don't play with matches. You're not my dad. Tracy, don't stare directly at the sun. will make you crazy. You're not my dad. Tracy, you're not going out the house dressed like that. You're not my dad. I'm beginning to think this has something to do with your dad. You're not my dad. You can't tell me what it's about. So we do get to the same actor playing young Tracy again from the Source Awards episode. And I think that's the last time we see him. I don't think we get to see young Tracy again. If he is, he's played by a different actor. But that was fun. Uh, it's, it's obviously, it's way more visual, especially with the you can't go outside dressed thing. <laughs> but yeah, you should be able to dress however you want. Screw status, screw uh, the status quo and social stigmas and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable in your body, so be it. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of clips in this that we uh, will have to cut out, but most of them are pretty plot heavy. Um, but uh, Liz gets called up to Jack's office because Rosemary is attacking the suits. Liz, your grandmother is in Jack's office. You better do something. Nana Lemon, that's weird. <laughs> Oh, oh no, Rosemary. <laughs> Lemon, Rosemary here was just telling me some of her fantastic sketch ideas. Liz, he totally gets it. He understands that what we do is far more important than what they do. I do, I, I really do get it. Rosemary, thank you so very oh, much. Oh no, my pleasure. What a pleasure, what fun <laughs> catching up with you. You do. You take care now. You do. <laughs> Fire her. And don't ever make me talk to a woman that old again. I can't fire Rosemary. Yes, you can. It's easy. Observe. Jonathan, you're fired. What? No! What? No! No, I, I won't fire her. It's mean. And I like her. And she's right. We should be pushing the envelope. Oh, God. Push the envelope. You know who uses that phrase? People don't have the guts or the brains to work inside the system. Letter writers, radicals. Howard Dean. You just don't get her. You're like the talking mailbox. I'm going to assume that's a Haldeman reference, in which case, I thank you. I got into this business to be like Rosemary, to make people think. No, 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 no. (laughs) You got into this business because you're funny and you're weird and you're socially retarded. And you also got into it because it pays well, which means you are not like Rosemary. You are like me. No, I'm not. You are a suit. You feed off the creativity and hard work of other people and turn it into commercials and, and pie charts and triangle graphs. What's a triangle graph? I don't know. It sounded real. This is my show. No, this is my show. And once a week, I rent it out to the good people at the erectile dysfunction companies. Be that as it may, Rosemary is my idol. And if you want to get rid of her, then you will fire me also. Jenna lets Kenneth know of her run-in with Donnie. I may have made a mistake. I was talking to Donnie. Donnie? Head page, Donnie Lawson, the King of Sting? What did you do? I was just trying to make things right. Nice jacket, Parcel. I hope that it 
and you will be very unhappy at CNBC for the next year. Of course, there is one other choice. A page off. No way. A page off? What's that? It's a savage contest, mixing physical stamina with NBC trivia. What's a page off? Your monkey's pretty stupid. <gasps> you want a page off? You got it, freak. Winner take all. This whole idea of like these this like underground page society and they have all these secret rules and, and like this other world that we rarely even get to see. But they're running by with the cowbell. It's just so funny. It's like that makes them ah, that makes no sense. NBC is a cult. No, it's not Scientology. I don't know what kind of corporate mind games he's playing, but if Jack thinks I'm crawling back there, oh screw him. But now that you're free, we can work on something together. Yeah, we can start our own network called Bitch TV. Or the second idea that we think of. Look, when we get back to my place, we we'll start banging out some ideas. Welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. What neighborhood is this? Well, they call it Little Chechnya. So gritty and real. More murders per capita than Detroit. Try not to write when you're living here. Is that guy carrying a gun? Yeah, but don't worry. He's not a cop. So I really like the way that scene is framed. So when it starts, just the way they're walking, all the buildings behind them look nice. Um, But it looks, you know, like someone that you would think you know, Rosemary would like somewhere Rosemary would live because like she's seemingly older. She probably lives like maybe somewhere that's like a little run down but not trashed. And then as soon as they turn the corner, everything there's like a car basically on blocks and there's literally a guy walking around with a gun in his hand and I'm pretty sure it's the same guy that spat in her mouth back in the Cleveland episode. <laughs> it looks just like him. But it's just it's a fun framing device of like as soon as you turn the corner, Liz's facial reactions drop and she's just like, oh, God, she's starting to realize this maybe wasn't such a good idea. And maybe Rosemary isn't someone that I should be following. And it all comes to a head here shortly as we get back to Rosemary's apartment. Yeah. Also watching this made me realize that I think the Rosemary character was kind of like a spiritual basis for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt for the Carol Kane character. Oh. Because it's kind of the same, like kind of kooky, like lives in like a... Rundown. She knows the area, so yeah. she's comfortable, but anyone yeah. outside of it is just, like, terrified. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Well, that's, yeah, you're probably right. Oh, that show sucks now. Yeah, the last season was... was the, it's, well, it's done, but they're having a, an interactive the last, like, special the last, that Daniel like, Radcliffe is going to be in. Rough, but. Well, um, I, they have their moments, but I, I, I mean, it definitely, I, I don't know, declined over mm-hmm. time. I feel like the last really... Good episode I remember was the one with Lisa Kudrow with them like going to a music. Oh, that parks. was a good one. No, the the last good one I think was the one where Titus is like directing the school play, which is at Beauty and the Beast or something. It was it was the first half of the last season. It was like the it was the last or maybe the next yeah, last episode. That one that was that was a really good really funny episode. But that was like the lat the maybe the only one the last season that was like a real yeah classic. I don't know. I mean, if you're a Tina Fey fan, I would say at least check out. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but honestly, well, if th- you don't, I really don't think yeah, you're missing anything. I think the last couple seasons, her attention was more with like the Mean Girls musical, maybe. And she was on, what she, what was that? Uh, oh, that NBC show. Uh, other uh, News or? Great News. Great News, yeah. yeah she true. was probably spending that's her true. time a lot yeah. sort of between all of that. So, yeah. you know, whatever. But still, I, I think the first season of Kimmy Schmidt is solid. The second season is like, this is okay, but then. Most of the stuff happened. around it, it, for some reason, I feel like around the time my Rudolph like has like her, which like that's around the time it starts yeah. to decline yeah. in my mind. But that show does contain one of my favorite, just random bits of the Teddy Ruxpin, yeah. and I can't find this clip anywhere. And it, it as 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 digital and as amazing the internet can be, either like they're just really good at keeping stuff off the internet, or no one has bothered to upload it online. But the Teddy Ruxpin randomly screaming, White Lady! Over and over had me in tears. It was so funny. I need to find that clip again. It's so stupid. It's so stupid, but it's so funny. That's my kind of humor. Yep. Also, I feel like I should quickly clarify the Maya Rudolph, she was excellent. That was like the yes, moment. It was yes, after yes, that. It was yes, like yes. That, that was the last like part where I felt like it was really funny. Yeah. After that was when it started declining anyway yeah. yeah no Maya Rudolph is golden she's good in everything that she's in so no no slight against her but that show oh, is rough but we get to see uh therapy for Tracy which is also seemingly therapy for Jack 
No, no, it's mostly for Tracy. It's mostly because he's not. That Jack's not airing his daddy grievances. It's all about Tracy. But Jack's doing all the work, the heavy lifting. Um, hey, uh, Tracy, this is uh, Suzanne Hawker, the NBC therapist. Who's crazy, Amir Ann Curry? Hello, Tracy. Jack informed me of a talk you had earlier, and if you don't mind, I'd like to hop right in and start with some role play. Like my wife and I do? Cool. You be the maid. I want you to scream. Dahi, you play the matador. Uh, no, Tracy. What I want you to do is talk to that empty chair as if your father were sitting there. Okay? Now, this is stupid. Come on, Tracy. We're here to help you. Uh, Tracy, maybe it will help if Jack sits in the chair and pretends to be your father. I want to talk to you, son. You sound nothing like my dad. Well, where is he from? All I know is he's from funky North Philly. He worked in a Campbell soup factory, and he had a droopy lip due to an unattended root canal. I think I can do this. Okay, go. I'm mad at you, Dad. Hey, dummy. I'm mad at you, too. Why you gotta act out that way? Uh, that's not exactly what I had. Because you left me, Dad. I was young and confused, and your moms didn't want me around no more. Now pass me them damn collard greens. Is this true, Mom? He gambled away my welfare check. Woman, I got a mind to smack you upside the head. Uh, this is not helpful. Be me now. I only act out because I want your love. Dynamite! I think we're just doing good times now. Now, do the white dude that my mom's left my dad for. Uh, now, see here, Tracy. It's impolite to slurp one soup. Oh, no need to resort to ugly stereotypes. You always gonna be my son. Tracy, just because I stopped loving your dad doesn't mean we stopped loving you. Stop putting words in my mouth, woman. Oye, papi, callate. People are sleeping. Mind your own damn business, Mrs. Rodriguez. Uh, all right, this is ridiculous. Lady, just because I'm an ignorant black man and you paid me a nickel to bust up your shiffer room doesn't give you the right to call me ridiculous just because I'm proud of my son. <laughs> they got me. Donkey shot me. Ugh. No, Dad! Don't die! I love you, Dad! I don't want a dog fight no more! Tracy, that's it! That's it! Thank you for showing me there really is love in my family after all. And I need to stay the hell away from them. Donaghy, you're the only family I need, Jackie D. You got that right, Trey. Yeah, it was too bad you didn't know Howard Cosell when you were growing up because I had that one in my pocket the whole time. Alright, so you start off because you found this scene like not great or not problematic but you just didn't care for it the line about ann curry was funny also the lady who plays the therapist was on ap bio r.i.p okay, yeah, she looks like she looks she's not dead the show is canceled no. um yeah no uh, yeah she looks like one of those like character actors it probably just is like repeatedly on several same studio um shows as like a character actress yeah well i so i don't know like i'm trying to think when I watched it earlier on Hulu, I don't know if they redid the voice or something. Because then, when as we just watched it, it sounded like it was him doing the voices. But like when I was watching it on Hulu, earlier, like some of the voices sounded like it was like almost like it was someone else doing it. It was like a bad lip sync. Maybe just the audio was slightly off or something, oh. and that was like making me think that it was like a really bad lip sync. So that was part of why I thought it was terrible. Oh. But now that I'm just watching, that, I was like, okay, like it, it's in like. I, I thought it was that was part of the joke. Like it was just like off sync and it was like weird. It was just, it came off as really strange to me. So watching it right then, uh, I, I mean, I, I still didn't think it was funny at all. But at least, but I, I didn't think it was. But not having that like weird off audio quality thing, like it didn't transcend into terrible anymore for me. Oh, I, like I just didn't. I mean, I don't know. It was just like it was whatever. Yes, like funny classy sitcom. Whatever. Like I could see how someone would like be super into that. I think that was like the funniest thing of the whole episode. But, like I just I don't know. I just. Mm. Well, I think it was the funniest thing. <laughs> no, no, I really don't think it was the funniest thing. Of the episode, but I do think like it, I think it, because we haven't seen, we, like, obviously if you know Alec Baldwin, you know he's an actor, of course, and he can do various things. He's had multiple runs on like SNL and stuff like that. But this is the first time in the world of 30 Rock we've seen him drop this whole suit facade and actually play a character or several characters in this case. And like him really leaning into like a Red Fox, Sanford and Son thing. And then basically pulling from all these sitcom trips, it's like clearly the writers just had a lot of fun doing this scene because it's just like we're just going to pull from everything from black sitcoms of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And this is this is Tracy's life and this is what we're going to talk about. So we get a Red Fox uh, and then we do get a Good Times sort of 
with the whole J.J. Walker dynamite and then at the very end with him like pretending to get shot which is like what John a- John Amos's character did on Good Time or had happened to him on Good Times um, which funny enough I, I think I've mentioned this before I just finished up Mary Tyler Moore show which John Amos started on and he was on for like the first two or three seasons of that and then he got the job on Good Times and so he was on Good Times for like three seasons but he had problems with the production he and um, oh, the guy's the guy's name is escaping me at the moment, but the the showrunner he they just butted head a lot, so they killed him off of Good Times and ended up going back to the Mary Tyler Moore show for like a couple more episodes before that show ended. That show ended so good, very very strong finale for a late seventies early eighties um, show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think if you grew up watching black sitcoms of the seventies eighties, there's something here that resonates. But I could see why you wouldn't necessarily like find it funny. Well, I've also I don't think I've ever seen an episode of any of those shows either, so that probably doesn't help. What a surprise! <laughs> the white bread kid hasn't seen any of that stuff. I was too busy watching. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? I watched that too, but you know what I also watched? Jeopardy. No, Jeopardy. I hated Jeopardy. They're even my least favorite game show. Yeah, my least favorite game show. I'd absolutely watch Wheel of Fortune before I'd watch Jeopardy. But Jeopardy was for the smart kids. I was not a smart kid. I'm still not. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great scene. But I could, and I'm surprised you didn't have any like issues with the potential stereotypes that they were showcasing. Well, but I, guess I mean, if you didn't know the source material. You didn't see the stereotypes and just saw it more. It's just like jokes not landing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like I. It's, I mean, I don't know, like, maybe if he, well, yes, he's doing, like, accents and voices, but, I mean, yes, like, it's something that maybe couldn't exist in the same way today, but, I mean, it's not like he was, like, in blackface doing things, like, something, like, ridiculously over the top like that, so, yeah. you know. Oh, I remember what it was that I was going to talk about with Booksmart, but it's, the time has passed, the whole Avengers thing, of it going back into the theaters. Oh. And, uh, it's, it's nothing but a cash grab. Well, like, obviously. There is nothing about that that rings... But any sort of like anything more than yeah. that and I was thinking about it and I was like they could easily just set that up, like tease that for your home media release don't don't put the movie back in theaters to just try and make an extra buck do it for your DVDs yeah. do it for the home media Dis- that's a bigger selling point yeah Disney likes hit box office numbers though because when like for example a couple other examples like when Black Panther was around 690 million or something they really wanted to blast it over 700 so like they re-released it like over a thousand theaters like same thing with Wrinkle in Time when it was getting near 100 million like to get it over the line they like all of a sudden blast it into like hundreds or thousands of theaters to like just get it over the line so like for, the, Disney guys just likes to hit Benchmarks, so they can say, probably so they can say, like, we have all these movies who have grossed and over X. And, yeah, strong. and this, and this, I mean, they're they're aiming to pass Avatar as the highest grossing film worldwide. So I mean, but they own Avatar, don't they? No, Avatar is not Disney. I can't remember what production company, but it's not Disney. I don't think. Are you? Sh- I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure Disney are the ones that are building no. it in Orlando. Uh, isn't that Universal? Hold on. Oh, they are building it in Disney Kingdom. Maybe you are right. It. Hmm. Maybe they don't own the movie license? No, they don't have to own the movie license. It was... So, <clears throat> Avatar was distributed by... Oh, Avatar was distributed by 20th Century Fox, which mm-hmm. Disney just bought Fox. So, they now own it. They now But they didn't at the time when Avatar was released. Right, but they were they were building Avatar Land even before they bought Fox. Were they? Okay. Yeah. Well... I think it's been in production I, for a long time now. Yeah. So, okay. So, it didn't... Right. So, they didn't originally, but they do own... All right, it's now. I can't believe we're getting four more stupid movies. Will in we though? Universe. For, for, well, well, let, well, let's see if the plan, second one ever actually plan, comes out first, plan, and then we'll get the rest. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did you see Avatar? Mm-mm. Okay. At this, have you seen Pocahontas? Of course. I've have seen you seen Pocahontas. Dancing with Wolves? No. Have you seen Pocahontas? Yes. Then you've seen Avatar. Hooray! That's a trite uh, way to say you've seen Avatar, but that's Avatar. So the setup is really funny. When they walk in, it quickly pans to her desk, her like cluttered, messy desk, where like two Emmys are just sitting there, and it's like she won her Emmys, but she still ended yeah. up in a not great place. The awards necessarily don't mean anything yeah. if uh, if you're living in seemingly like a not a slum, but yeah. Well, it just kind of shows how Liz's worldview is shifting from it's all about the art and things like critical acclaim and things like that to no, it's actually yeah. just get the money. Yeah, those will help you, but the money is really what will keep you surviving and, and lasting. 
find a pen and start that screenplay. This movie is gonna knock them on their asses. Right. Uh, what's it about? Women in their 50s join the army and get laid by a bunch of grateful 18-year-olds. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. I predict opening weekend, a million dollars. Go ahead. So, the, well, the, of course, the line about a million dollars a weekend is just hilarious in a modern context. But, like, even then, I was like, I was like, well, okay, let's, like, think it's the 70s. So, so, box office mojo only goes back to 82. But even in the beginning of 82, like, a million dollars would only get you to the bottom of the top 10. Like, most weeks, it looked like the number one movie was making, like, three, at least three to, like, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million. So, even back in the early 80s, a million dollar opening weekend would not have been so hot. Yeah. So, But again, it depends on the budget. If the budget yes. was relatively low, That's a million true. dollars makes it look yes. like a success. If their movie cost $200,000 to make, a million dollars would be a massive success. Massive success. But yeah, but it just, again, it just shows the out-of-touch... Uh, worldview that Rosemary has it, and I love the just like semi subtle reveal of that she's just been drinking like she's been drinking wine all day, and her defense was like it's heart healthy. Like, yeah, you're supposed to have like a glass, maybe a glass and a half, not a thermos the entire day, and continuously drinking it. Like, uh, it's it's fun, but the F train is that? What's the significance of an F train? Because is that like a bad train? If track? there is, I don't know. I think that's the point is that like the subway like literally. Like, literally outside her window. Well, yeah, like, that, that's how I've always read it. I was like, oh, you have a train go right outside your window. But she specifies, did an, she specifically says, did an yeah. F train go by your window? Which I don't, I don't know, know enough about the intricacies. Like, I don't know if the F train is, like, Brooklyn we'll or Bronx Toby or Queens or... Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure yeah. it probably is significance to some sort of, like, poor or, or, or less reputable train um, railway of New York. But, yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe like it. the F train was discontinued like 30 years ago and that's the joke. Oh, I don't know that. I, I don't maybe. know. Yeah. I don't know. Have you been drinking wine all day? Oh, it's heart healthy. All day? Oh, come on, Liz. It's the 90s. Did an F train just go by your window? I know that look. Don't even think about jumping for that train. You no, know, I, I think I should. I should go home before it gets dark. You can't abandon me, Liz. You are me. No, I'm not you. Really? You pick up guys that are smart and funny, and they leave you for someone less complicated. You're never going to get married, Liz. You're married to your job. <gasps> oh, my God. I lost my job. You're just like me. You get up in the morning and smoke weed. No, I don't. You obsess about the Jamaican man across the hall. Oh my God, I lost my job. You wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for me. I broke barriers for you. I really have to go. I sat around while my junk went bad. All for you. I didn't have any kids. You're my kid. You're my kid that never calls. Yikes. Help me, Liz Lemon. You're my only hope. Hacky Star Wars reference out of the way. I do like that scene of like them both coming to the realization like Liz doesn't need the corporate slash artistic world to exist, and Rosemary realizing or not even realizing but telling her the reason you have that job is because of people like me who came before you and didn't catch a good break or were able to break the barriers that allow you to do what you're doing. Um, so it's like she's not a bad person, but it's just she's just a, 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 an idea of, of what Liz would become if she maybe doesn't go outside of her comfort zone or or doesn't doesn't as long as she doesn't take her life for granted that she won't turn out to be like Rosemary kind of idea. I think it's a good scene. I mean, it's played for laughs, but I do think otherwise it's a good scene. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's true that a lot of people who are the forerunners don't end up getting the success or credit or yeah the recognition even or even basic economic yeah. security that doesn't give them a right to be bitter well, if no. anything they should be like proud that future generations out and well, i'm not saying this if you're living in if you're living in a in a hovel in somewhere then right but i mean like she seems like she's li- she's comfortable where she is like she yeah. doesn't seem bitter about it necessarily um but it's just like once she sees liz rejecting her then she's like well you you don't necessarily owe me, but you need to realize like I'm the reason you're in that position, and you you kind of just need to understand that like it's not entitlement. It's just you need to understand I'm the reason you are where you're at right now. 
And I think that's important because I do think that, like you said, there are a lot of people that do not get the recognition for being, you know, uh, glass breakers or, or, or pioneers. And some of them maybe do get a little bit bitter as a result. And it's like, well, and, it, and it's the whole thing of like baby boomers being mad at Gen Xers and Gen Xers being mad at millennials and stuff. And it's just like, well, oh, life's so easy for you now. Well, yeah, because you guys helped make it a little bit easier for us. Why are you bitter? Like, if your whole defense of coming at someone was like, well, I had to walk 15 miles in the snow to get to school. Well, hey, guess what? Someone else did that, and then they grew up, and they realized, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to make my kids do that. I don't want to make their kids do that. So I'm going to develop technology to make it where we can get to school without having to walk, and then it makes life easier for everyone. Don't be bitter about that. Be happy that there's progression rather than regression or... Or no advancement. Like it just, it's just, it's bitter old people that just piss me off, and I don't like it. Also, earnings haven't kept with the pace of inflation, That's which also is the actual true. issue. That's also anyway, true. moving on. Yeah. Ugh. Get off my soapbox. Uh, we're gonna skip the last scene of the page off because we haven't been playing a lot of clips. Spoiler a, alert! Spoiler alert! We don't get to see anything. Well, oh, there's oh, there's a really good joke. No, nobody wins. Well, he wins that he gets the page jacket, but nobody wins by actually doing the page off because it's all this build up. And uh, no actual payoff. We don't get to see anything. But there's a good joke of like uh, Jenna is bracing Kenneth to get ready, and she's like, "All right, what show among others uh, was a spinoff for Cosby Show, um, Highway to Heaven, um, Cheers, and one other like infamous NBC show?" And the answer is Super Cupid. Which is the third act of the joke in the episode. It's like a show that ran from 1975 to 1975 spun off Cosby Show, Highway to Heaven, and Cheers, and another show. And it's like, okay, this is a goofy, goofy little joke. But uh, Pete interrupts the page off, realizes that uh, apparently the page do have separate lives, and he breaks up the little page off. And Donnie swears his revenge, and Kenneth gets his jacket. Hooray. But the closing of the episode, uh, Liz doesn't come crawling back for her job, but she she needs her job back because she cannot lend up like Rosemary. I need my job back, but this is not crawling. This is proud begging like those kids that dance on the subway. Of course you can have your job back, Lemon. Oh, thank God. It was terrible. I, I went to her apartment. I don't think she has a toilet. I saw my future, Jack. Never go with a hippie to a second location. I can't end up like that. I have got to make money and save it. And I have to do that thing that rich people do where they turn money into more money. Can you teach me how to do that? With my eyes closed. Oh, good. Because I want to send Rosemary $400 a month for forever. You should. That woman is unemployable. Rosemary says that women become obsolete in this business when there's no one left that wants to see them naked. You make enough money, you can pay people to look at you naked. To the future, Lemon. Oh, and by the way, uh, GE has a problem with the dog penis sketch. I'll change it. Hey, what about cat penises? Well, this heart attack is drinking heart-healthy wine, red wine, which is always good for you. Red wine is the worst. That's not true. It's tasty. No, it's not. Well, it depends on the kind. Sweet white wine is the best. Everyone likes what they like. And they're wrong if they like red wine. No. What's the problem? Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So that's the close of Rosemary's Baby. Final thoughts. When will we get to meet Rosemary's Baby? Liz. Liz is Rosemary's uh... Baby. Did I blow your mind? <sighs> Explosion. Come in. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yes, that was a very sharp episode. Very sharp episode. And we got everybody in here except Josh, although not all of them necessarily get lines, but Sari is back, Tuber's back, Lutz is back, Pete is back, everybody. But uh, yeah, very sharp, very uh, to the point, um, and kind of a poignant uh, episode, and uh, good good development, not great development for Tracy, good development for, uh, for Liz, and we get to see more of like Kenneth and the whole page. Um, no pun intended like outfit like how that holds cabal idea. yeah runs uh, within 30 rocks so yeah sharp episode I really liked it a lot um, you didn't think a lot of it was as funny as I did but it's because you I thought you most grew of it... up watching bad TV exactly I grew up watching a lot of just everything and going to the ice cream store no we never made it 
God, why do you keep keep reminding me? Anyway, think. <laughs> any other thoughts, or we're gonna wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, as always, thank you for joining us on Go to There. If you like what we're doing, uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes and all that fun stuff um, is the best way to let us know with reviews and comments and all that. And if you like what we're doing, you can donate to our coffee, ko-fi.com backslash go to there. And we will see you next week for episode 26. Episode 26, Greenzo. Is that David the one Al Gore's on? Yeah, and Al Gore, spoiler alert, makes a small little cameo. Um, so... Yeah, we will see you next week for Greenzo. David, take us out. See you next time.